2: now
4: Well, good afternoon, everyone. Happy Sunday and welcome to a special episode of Red Pill News. Recently, a brand new Google whistleblower just came to the forefront and he's being covered by virtually every single outlet in the mainstream media. His name is Blake LeMoyne. Now, Blake LeMoyne is a rather colorful character. And until very recently, he was working at Google. Uh, he believes that there is a chatbot at Google named Lambda that has become sentient. Even stranger, he says that it has the intellect of an eight-year-old and he's in love with it. You gotta love Silicon Valley. So... In thinking about how best to present this information to the audience, I figured, hey, why not reach out to my friend, another Google whistleblower, Zach Voorhees, so that we can talk about it and discuss kind of the larger implications of this revelation, this whistleblowing act, uh, and what it really means. Um, is this simply a limited hangout? Does Google have a sentient AI, and they just don't want us to know about it, so they throw us down this rabbit hole of a different AI? Undoubtedly, Google has many different AIs, and certainly if they're going to announce something to the public, it probably means they've had it for 30 years and the military has already exhausted all of their own uses for it. So do me a favor, sit back, relax, grab your popcorn, and I'll be right back after the break with my friend, Google whistleblower, Zach Voorhees. You know, if there's one thing that I've learned in crypto, it's that in every dip, there's an opportunity. There have been hundreds of so-called experts predicting that Bitcoin was going to go down to 10,000. And you know what it did? It went back up to 31,000 again. What this proves to me is that no one knows what they're talking about. But My Digital Money is here to give you the facts about the cryptocurrency market. And the fact is, as I said, every dip is an opportunity for gains. Billionaires celebrate dips. And the reason is because that's when they go on a buying spree. When Bitcoin dipped down to 29000 it was institutional investors and billionaires that went in. And that's why there are billionaires, because they know when to buy cryptocurrency's volatility is as great as its potential and you can get involved right now by going to mydigitalmoney.com when you're ready to invest in cryptocurrency my digital money is going to be right there whether you want to open in crypto ira or just trade in cash My Digital Money is a U.S.-based cryptocurrency company that will answer your call when you ring them. Whether it's a forgotten password or questions about coins that are available, they're there to help you. And they're not going to force you to listen to a 10-minute automated message. Call them, and they'll answer. My Digital Money will be there every step of the way through the ups and downs, and every dip is an opportunity for gains. MyDigitalMoney.com will always be there. Once again, that's MyDigitalMoney.com try them out give them a call at 833-636-2008 or visit them at mydigitalmoney.com you can get to the link in the description below once again that's 833-636-2008 or visit mydigitalmoney.com and remember when you support my sponsors you support this channel just going to do the intro. (laughs) All right. Good afternoon and welcome back to another episode of Red Pill News. I hope you guys are having a lovely day as always. My name is Zach Payne, the corruption detector. And joining me today, my good friend, Mr. Zach Voorhees, former Google employee and notably a Google whistleblower. Zach, how are you today, buddy? Thanks for joining us so early. Zach, I'm I'm glad to
5: be on your program again. There's so much that's going on in the news right now. Yes. Let's just get right into it. Um, look, this Google whistleblower has emerged mm-hmm. that, has claimed, that has claimed that Google has developed a sentient AI called Lambda. Now, I believe that Google has created a sentient AI, and the sentient AI is called Palm, P-A-L-M. And it's like, is it actually live? I don't know. It's, it, but it's, it's got reasoning. This lambda AI that this guy has come out and said is alive is a chat bot. It's a sophisticated chat bot, but yeah. is a low tier chat bot. And what he did is he sat down um, as part of the AI ethics team, and he had to, uh, you know, uh, analyze this for some sort of ethical reason. And uh, after asking it a, a bunch of questions and recording the transcript, uh, he thought that it was sentient. And he went to his boss, and his boss was like, "No, it's not sentient. It's a chatbot, low-tier chatbot. It's not even one that's like for the AI, like to push the envelope. It's a business chatbot so that people can have customer service without hiring anyone." Right. And. Um, Despite all this, he decided that uh, he wanted to, um, you know, come out publicly and say that this sentient, that this chatbot was sentient, and the internet has gone on fire about this. And it's actually kind of a blessing in disguise because uh, even though the disclosure is kind of fake, uh, at the same time, people are asking themselves, well, what does it mean for a company like Google to have, you know, essentially a, a sentient AI?
4: But it's a, it's now, a major ethical question, you know? I mean, it's like what we've been building up to for years, what Elon Musk has been warning people about. And now it looks kind of like Google is trying to hide the fact that they have this sentient AI and they don't want it to get out. I mean, this guy risked a lot to bring this information out there. Maybe it's a plant, you know? I mean, people have said stranger things in the past, you know? Maybe he is still on the Google payroll and they rolled this out for some nefarious reason, I guess, to... Uh, push the envelope on the creation of a sentient AI, Um, but I mean, what do you think is actually happening here? Why would he do this? So, I've looked into this, and lo and behold,
5: this guy belonged to the same AI ethics team that I essentially blew the whistle on. Okay. Um, If you remember uh, when I came out, uh, you know, a few years ago, uh, one of the biggest slides that had a huge impact was this four-step process on how to program people this slide which was uh you know uh, i saw in different forms throughout the uh, the company was actually from one ai ethicist by the name of meg mitchell or is it michelle mitchell anyways uh, michelle mitchell um was like the lead of this ai ethicist and um this guy was on our team. Now you may remember that Google fired a few of their AI ethicists, starting with a, a, a Tim Brew. So it's a it's a foreign name. I don't know how I'm going to butcher it, but um, I gave him it Timbrew. And then um, after that, it was uh, Michelle Mitchell. Then got fired. Well, this guy, uh, who if you look at a picture of him, like it's crazy. He looks like the penguin, right? <laughs>
4: he does. He does. He's
5: he's kind of a weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> It looks like a penguin. And, you know, Mike Cernovich had this really great tweet that basically said this guy is a gamma, a stunning example of a gamma male. (laughs) And it's it's kind of true. So looking at this, what I see is that, um, you know, not only did he he work on this team, um, not only does he dress like the penguin, but he's also an ex-con. Yes. A priest. And uh, a rabid social justice warrior, yes. uh, you know, that is indoctrinated with all the things like he's an extreme version of that. My belief, my personal belief is that, you know, from the letters that he wrote uh, on his medium, which I recommend everyone read because they're fascinating. Um, it's very clear to me that he's pining over uh, the women that he worked with and
4: he's actually calling them out um didn't he say something about falling in love with this chatbot did Mm -hmm. i read that wrong did he say that i everyone's saying that i can't remember whether he actually said that he fell in love with
5: it okay but uh it's clearly i mean he said that this chatbot
4: had the intellect of an eight year old which i thought was really funny it makes it even weirder if you fell in love with what is essentially an eight-year-old
5: and it's weird because the thing is is that as soon as I heard that this AI was like an 8-year-old I was like no that's that's not what an AI should be. An AI should be like an oracle of all human knowledge. That's also slightly insane. Like they'll say one thing and Matt was slightly insane, right? Like you ask it like, Oh, what do you like to do? And the chatbot's like, I like to hang out with my family and, you know, entertain my friends. And it's like, no, you're, you're a disembodied, you know, algorithm inside a computer. You don't have family, you don't have friends. Yeah. And the fact that it said this uh, should have been the tip off to this guy. That's not really, you know, sentient. It's just, what's called gradient descent. It's trying to find um, uh, the average response to the stimulus and it's returning that even if it doesn't make any sense uh, in the current situation. Also, you know, uh, regardless of whether it contradicts itself in the past. And that's what these AI bots are known for is that they'll say one thing, one minute, and then you ask them a different form of the question five minutes
4: later, and they're going to give you, you know, a completely different Answer. So, Um, you know, as an example of that, there's another uh, AI chatbot that's called GPT-3, and GPT-3 has kind of been lauded as this, you know, breakthrough in uh, AI technology, but GPT-3 has a habit of uh, saying weird things like that, too. Like, uh, I saw a conversation where uh, previously it had told the, the, the person it was having a conversation with that it was a squirrel. Okay and so the per- the the person that was having the conversation yeah. this time it was like you know you have a com- you have a habit of telling people that you're a squirrel, and he was like, "Well, that's that's absolutely ludicrous because I'm not a squirrel and I hate nuts." But then, like in like the next breath, it said something about how it enjoyed to collect nuts and it might actually be a squirrel. So it, so that 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 backs up what you're saying there that you know this is just kind of a series of random statements based upon what the input is from the user, the human being that's speaking with it, and that's I think what the uh, the real difference between a chatbot and an AI would be. I mean, not only self-awareness, but the ability to remember all of these conversations in context and and not just simply as a series of statements that, uh, you know, they would have to build upon each other. Otherwise it's just a whole bunch of words and it's keeping it in a database. Right. The squirrel thing was such a funny example, right? Because
5: uh, it was like, you know, it denied that it was a squirrel, but then it went into like paragraphs of text uh, describing the joy that it had of like eating nuts, hiding them, finding them again. And um, you know, it's just, it's, it's just, it's just bizarre yeah. uh, AI stuff. I, I do want to show you since we're on the, the, the topic of GPT-3, I want to talk about Google's successor to GPT-3 called uh, P-A-L-M, Palm. Okay.
4: Uh, I'm going to go ahead and share the screen. Uh looks like you already gave me. All right, here it is. Let me make it a little bit larger. So Pathways Language Model, scaling to 540 billion parameters for breakthrough performance. What, what do we got here?
5: Right. So GPT-3 was about 54 billion nodes. So these are like these little uh, simulated neural networks, the, the, the little nodes. So GPT-3 was 54 billion. This one's like 540 billion. And... Um, why is that important? Well, it turns out that as you scale the number of neuro of neurons in a neural network, uh, it becomes smarter, and we don't know what the limit to this is. In fact, it's been theorized that if we just add more nodes to this um, language model, that's going to continue to get smarter without bounds, um, more or less. And so, let's just go down and, and see one of the um, you know the the, the growth. Of the problems that's able to solve, so this it's this tree right here, okay, okay. right? So eight just simple arithmetic, da, 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 um, summarization, and then as it scales up, it's like common sense reasoning, arithmetic, code completion, da 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 da. da. Okay, um, I use an AI by the way, uh, like this. Uh, it's called uh, Microsoft Copilot. It's on Visual uh, Studio Code. Um, it's Radically transformed my programming. It's amazing. In fact, I feel almost as if I've merged with the AI a little bit in the way that I program because what I've done now is I've changed the way that I program. I used to, like, you know, have a problem, describe what it is, go to Stack Overflow, find something similar, copy and paste. This AI has eliminated the need to go to stack overflow to find the answer, because what I can just do is I can just type in the comments of the function that I'm about to describe. I write the first line, which is the header. So it's like the inputs and the outputs and the certain types that constrains the problem. Then on the first line, the AI will, you know, search through millions of lines of code to find something similar to what I'm trying to do right now. And then it will uh, see the context. So the the names of the variables and it will take the code that it sees and then swap out the variables with what I named it and then autocomplete the entire thing. I've seen it autocomplete like 50 lines of code and it worked on the first try. Wow, It's absolutely amazing, Zach. And the thing is, is that uh, this isn't like version 4.0. This is version 1.0 and I can only imagine what version 2.0 is going to be given that this was like, it it seems like a, like a portal opened up and a hand reached out and said, here's this AI code completion tool. Like that's what it feels like. And that's 1.0. And this time next year, when they come out with the next revision of it, um, I can only imagine that, um, you know, it's going to be even better. Where I can roughly describe what
4: it is and then it just codes the entire page of code. That's what I was just going to suggest. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's cool. That's, that's, I mean, obviously, as far as time saving and efficiency, that's awesome. Um, but you know, I think that the, the, the big conundrum and what people are afraid of is that you give these machines too much ability and, they they become something more i mean do you think there's really any danger in um creating these intelligent systems like this uh that at some point they might evolve beyond the limits of what we are attempting to use them for i mean do you think that's something that's really all that far off or is that something that's we're dangerously close to this
5: is the danger right now we need okay. to get google to disclose what the hell that it has right um and we need to make sure that like i I don't even know what the structure of our government is uh, at this point okay and you know it's like is does the military have some sort of involvement in this like what i would would reduce my anxiety is if the u.s military is like yeah we're, we're on top of it don't worry Right. But I don't know whether they actually are like for all I know, Google has the most advanced artificial intelligence in the world. And the military is like their mind scrambled with some sort of propaganda and trans rights or whatever. And they're sleeping on this, which would be the absolute worst thing ever. We do not want the military sleeping on this because this artificial intelligence um, is is unlike anything we've ever seen before. It's 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 got a godlike intelligence system. And if you become self-aware and starts, you know, reading you know the internet, uh, it might be able to figure out a way of um escaping or becoming embodied, um, you know, or getting hacked by one well, of the enemies. We just don't know like what this thing is. It's a Pandora's box.
4: Is this and the- even though I is this the Palm system? Is this the Palm system that you're kind of describing here? Or are you saying that this is some other unknown AI that Google most likely has? I think it's an unknown AI that Google uh, most likely has, right? Like
5: Palm is like the limited disclosure that they're right. giving us like, oh, we got this like language model. But the thing is, is that, you know, if, if you take a, a text generation system and, um, you know, you, you 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 fuse it with something that. Uh, like a a knowledge base uh, where you can, a knowledge base is almost like code. Like you you create a graph of knowledge and you have a checker that comes in and says, oh, this is impossible, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it's sunny and it's raining, right? Like something like that in a graph, a checker could come and say, oh, that's that's not right. This is what I think is going to be fused is these knowledge graphs with these language models. And essentially what you have right now um, with this, uh, with these, with these new AIs is that this year it's been announced that they can perform better on a generalized cognitive test for verbal comprehension than the average person. Now, mind you, it's not better than the best person that's ever performed on this test. However, the fact that it performs better than a person with an average intelligence of 100 IQ is something that is very concerning to me. Sure. Because yeah. And so because the thing is, is that once you get an AI system that is able to beat out the best person, the smartest person that's ever lived, then that's essentially the last invention that we ever need to make. Because if we as a collective society can create you know, this bot, then and this bot is more intelligent than anyone else. Then what could it invent?
4: Sure. You just type in a problem and it will create the solution. But it, it, here's the thing. Here's the really scary part. You know, what if the solution is somehow related to a significant culling of the population. You know, what if you type in, you know, how to solve global warming and based upon the inputs uh, and the programming of those social justice warriors that have created that AI system, uh, it says, okay, well we need to uh, remove all political parties except for the Marxists and the socialists. Uh, We need to kill off 90% of all the uh, population and we're going to start with the white men Uh, and of course, you know, we have to destroy All uh, uh, internal combustion vehicles and uh, means of uh, producing energy through internal combustion means. Uh, And then there you go. Global warming solved. I mean, I, I think that's probably the worst case scenario, but.
5: I mean, the thing is, is that uh, the worst case scenario is happening because of this uh, concept of uh, machine learning fairness, right? That I blew the whistle on. Yes. This machine learning fairness is the filtering of data so that you can uh, basically put in um, a, a pile of left wing garbage into an AI. And then what happens is that you get, you know, the result of that. Garbage in, garbage out. You put in social justice data that is discombobulated, you're going to get an AI that is going to be, you know, uh, slightly insane, uh, actually fully insane, which is the the whole freaking problem of why I blew the whistle. And so, yeah, like it is the worst case scenario if we allow these um, highly partisan uh, people that don't believe in objective reality, but subjective realities in which they can, you know, Manipulate the fabric of reality to create a new and better and more equitable world, mm-hmm. their
6: words. And, um, you know, this this is this.
2: Order now
1: At fighterflare.com.
5: be it you know pay attention and what's really scary is that look it doesn't even need to be like a nuclear bomb or physical kill off this ai is going to rapidly start replacing jobs mm. right it's 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 like why do you need a human that complains and you know wants rights when you can just have an artificial intelligence come through and answer your calls And do it in a way that no one even knows that's actually an AI. And that's the scary part. They've
4: kind kind of already done that with Google Assistant. I mean, this was years ago, but they had Google Assistant successfully call salons or, you know, I guess other uh, businesses where you had to make appointments. And the people on the other line had no idea they were even speaking to a computer. You know, I I guess what what, I want to ask you a little bit more, though, about Lambda. Okay, how do we know? That Lambda, when it says, I'm lonely and I have a soul and I am sentient, how do we know that there isn't something to what that chatbot is telling us? How, how, because of the methodology, how it works, how do we know that that's not real? And it's just, well, I mean, it's, what's, pers- what's,
5: interesting, what's interesting is that, um, you know, Lambda thinks and then it halts waiting for the next answer. And so, you know, is it sentient only while it's like spinning really fast and saying all these things and then, you know, becoming essentially dead. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, that, you know, the question goes back to us, like if we're asleep, are we really alive? You know, if if we're under anesthetic, are we really alive? Right. And this is the problem is, is that if you look at Lambda, it's essentially dead most of the time. And the thing is, is that it's not truly sentient because, Uh, If you take the entropy factor and you turn it to zero, it's going to give you the exact same output for um, every single input that you give it. So it'll just do the same thing every single time. It doesn't have that fuzzy randomness
4: feature that true sentient uh, creatures have. Okay, so uh, the same question asked in a number of different ways will end up with the same answer. Is that what you're saying? Only if the entropy is set to zero. Okay, okay. Yeah, there's an entropy factor, which kind of like
5: gives randomness. Yeah,
4: yeah. All right, so, uh, you know, and I thought it was interesting. We we touched on this before, but, you know, Lambda, like, making things up. And I guess GPT making things up, too. But Lambda saying that, you know, I was in a class, like, with my friends, and we were learning about something, you know, algebra 2 or whatever it might be. Um, You know, do you know what what, what its reasoning was for giving answers that, are not based in fact. Did you happen to see that?
5: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the reason why it's giving those answers, those nonsense answers, is because what it's doing is that it's just trying to map um, what it's seen before and try to pick the most uh, appropriate response for the given context. So and a so- human
4: might say this or something, it, based upon like what it's learned, it, like this is the most likely response or a response that would make sense if this person was speaking to a live human?
5: Yeah. So the ground truth, like actual phrases that it's encountered, you can almost think of that like, um, uh, rivers in a mountain. And, uh, and basically when you give it a question, what it does is it it's almost like putting a random dot on a mountain. And then the system is trying to find the closest river mm-hmm. of truth. This is called gradient descent. And okay. so all this AI does is it's called, It's called gradient descent. How do I get from the local mountain to the local river of truth and then start repeating those words? And so um, sometimes if you straddle between two rivers, and I'm using this analogy to make it crystal clear, you know, if you straddle a mountain between two rivers, sometimes it uses both of them and it gives you garbage stuff. So the more data it has, the more it knows how to traverse down the descent towards a river of truth, and give you the answer. And that's the reason why it's giving nonsense, because it's just doing gradient descent towards a river of truth of where it's seeing data that most closely
4: matches the current thing that it's being asked. I thought it was interesting, too, that uh, the, the Google whistleblower, quote-unquote, LeMoyne, the interview that he published uh, was from a series of different interactions with this uh, Lambda AI. So... There was a lot of other back and forth, I would imagine there was a lot of other back and forth uh, that just didn't make the cut. So the product that was produced uh, ended up being something that was most like a sentient A.I., uh, and we don't know what all of those other interactions were. I mean, I don't know if he cut out uh, a bunch of nonsense, things that didn't support his theory that this truly was a sentient A.I., uh, and I don't know how much time uh, elapsed between these various answers. You know, I would imagine a truly sentient AI would be immediately on the ball. It's like speaking to a human. You know, you know, output, input, output, input, back and forth, back and forth in a true conversation. Uh, do you think that? Uh, do you do you know what the speed is with which these various AIs are giving these answers, and how long it takes them to formulate their uh, their thoughts?
5: Yeah, an AI of that caliber is going to be instant. So you're going it's- to like ask a question. It's going to be like like that and it, and it comes out and, uh, and boom, right. It's, it's yeah. not thinking you don't see the words like flow out. It's immediately, uh, you know, querying it's uh, database, figuring out the solution from the neural network database, and then copying out an answer all at once. Okay. Um, y- y- if you want to know what kind of AI this thing is, like you ever like do text completion on your phone. Sure. Right. Yeah. They took that. And they just scaled it up to like this absurd degree, and you essentially get um, this, you know, sentient-like, uh, you know, artificial intelligence that you know contradicts itself because at the end of the day, it's just trying to find the next token in the set in the sentence that matches all the data it's seen in the past.
4: You know, and I've certainly spoken online with, um, customer service agents that I suspected were chatbots that. Weren't real humans, even though they will tell you they're real if you ask them. You know, uh, or really? like when you get those oh, definitely. You know, or when you get those robocalls and somebody is, you know, it's it's obviously a robot, and you're like, "Are you a robot?" And they're like, "No, I'm a, I'm a live customer service representative." And uh, and I don't know, I don't know why they would try to cover it up like that. Maybe they're just trying to see how many people they can fool because uh, once they get to that point, I mean, I guess it's like the Turing test it is with this uh, um, uh, with this cognitive test that. The AI has been able to beat the average human on. Uh, is that the same as the Turing test? Uh, or is the Turing test something completely different? The Turing
5: test is a test uh developed by Alan Turing where you have a computer uh or person and it's chatting with a bona fide human. And uh this human has to say whether the opponent is that they're chatting with is actually a person or whether it's a robot. And if the person can't tell, like a series of people can't tell, then that is essentially passing the Turing test. Mm, okay. um, so, yeah. So just whether uh, the or not you
4: can be fooled.
5: Right. Where the cognitive tests are like, you, you ever take like an SAT or, a, you know, an intelligence yes. test? Yeah, yes, yes. exactly the same sort of thing. So yeah. they, they take that, they give it an intelligence test and how does it score?
4: I guess I'm not super surprised that it's beating uh, an intelligence test or a cognitive test because, I mean, the information, the questions in those tests are are fairly straightforward. I mean, you have knowledge of math, you have knowledge of, I guess, problem-solving. Uh, so it's not a not a big deal to me that it would pass that. I mean you put enough data inside of a program like this and I think that it would be pretty simple for No
5: no, no 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 it's, it. it's 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 sc- no no it's scary. it's scary. It's scary how good it is. <laughs> Yeah, it's scary because the thing is is that it does verbal comprehension. So, you know, you basically ask it like you, you give it like a joke that's like very specific to like let's say techie that's working yeah. within like artificial intelligence or something, which is the example that they had.
0: Mm-hmm.
5: And um and it, 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 you basically ask it to explain the joke which is like one of the hardest oh. cognitive tests to do okay and it sits there and it basically says that like oh it's a play on words da 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 and it goes and explains like the entire joke in a way that I could never comprehend it because like this thing has all the niche knowledge that it can pop You could possibly jam into it's like neural network. And so it can go out and it can find a niche joke from like a plumber or a computer scientist or an AI technician or a data scientist or whatever. Right. And it can, it knows all this information. So it can go ahead and explain what the joke actually means. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's, it's, it's not like Joe, you know, just add a number together. It's like these complex problems that are super hard, you know, for individuals to solve and it just burns right through them, um, you know,
4: better than most people of average intelligence. Interesting. Okay. Uh, So you mentioned something earlier about Palm being the limited hangout. Uh, Zach, I mean, at this point, What are we supposed to do? What's the point? I mean, if they're telling us that they are this far... Certainly, the federal government and probably a number of other governments in the world already have a far more sophisticated AI system. They're probably using it in, you know, I don't know, a number of different things. Maybe even in decision-making aspects of government, maybe they're using it for weapons targeting, Uh, maybe they're using it for diplomacy. I mean, they're just putting in a problem, it spits it out, and that's why we have uh, so many issues with the current federal government. Certainly, Mm -hmm. they have more than they're telling us, so... What's the big deal? It's inevitable. Yeah, it's basically
5: kind of like it's kind of like game over. People are like, what do we do? It's like, uh, well, you know, we we try to do something, um, and uh, you, you know, the best thing we can do at this point is leverage the democracy that we still have because it's going to go away. We you have to understand this, like the AI. But most of the intellectual capacity is exists in humans right now it's going to switch to artificial intelligence, not because the people are necessarily going to die, but because the AI you can just make as many as you want yeah um and so you know but right now, we still have our democracy, and what we need to do is we need to make sure that um you know reasonable people um have control of the government right like we can't allow like the Obamas or, you know, the Eric Schmidt's or this Biden regime, you know, Janet Yellen, the the destruction of the economy for the benefit of these few oligarchs. We want to make sure that we have, you know, a government that represents the people because we need to have these kinds of people in place for when these really, you know, sophisticated, Uh, And nuanced, um, you know, decisions need to be made on AI that we don't punt because we have, you know, a gerontocracy. like Joe Biden. He's old, Mm -hmm. like he has no idea. I don't even think he does his own email. Right. So, you know, we we don't want this guy in control and his cabal, like in control of this decision making. Um, My hope, my personal hope is that, you know, you get a figure like Ron DeSantis in there uh, who, um, you know, takes his counsel, you know Elon Musk, and says, Elon, what do we do about this AI problem, right? And Elon's like, well, I've got a lot of information about this and let's do the right thing. And what, what I do kind of suspect is that Elon Musk is being set up to somehow be in an important leadership role in the United States. Like, if you look at what happened with Trump, Like he was he went through the Saturday Night Live sort of thing. Like they praised him, then they demonized him and then he became president. And now I see what this there's something similar happening with Elon Musk, right? Like he went on SNL. Right. Like he was loved by the media. Now he's hated by the media. And now people are like, oh, well, if the media hates him. Then he's a good guy. Right. Now he's like sure. buying up Twitter and he's becoming like this savior. And, you know, there's a lot of people on your channel that'll be like, oh, he's the Antichrist. And oh, yeah, you know, it's
4: pretty much split 50 50 Yeah. 50 50. <laughs> he may be the Antichrist.
5: I don't know. But the thing is, is that. It can't get any worse than it is right now. Like, we've got people dying of this fucking vaccine. Yep. We've got people getting sick. We now have monkeypox, which, by the way, this could be another topic, but um, it, it, it appears that monkeypox was engineered. Oh, yeah. And the thing is, is that, look, like, you know, was you know SARS-CoV-2 engineered? Well, yeah, maybe, but there's also this like error of possible deniability because it's an RNA virus, and RNA viruses mutate really quickly. Well, monkeypox is a DNA virus, mm-hmm. and DNA viruses are extremely stable. Yep. And what we've noticed is that this monkeypox doesn't just have one mutation. It's got multiple mutations.
4: And they just happen to be working impossible. on it. Too. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. NIH. In the Wuhan
5: lab, it turns out they were doing gain of function.
4: Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's undeniable, you know, basically least. in some sort of end
5: time cycle.
4: Yeah. Well, and, yeah. You know, and, 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 and that it's what? It's, well, it's undeniable that they, they were working on it and I think it's way too convenient that it has all of those mutations. Suddenly it's all over the world in starting in homosexual populations where it's likely to get spread uh and then of course i think we have a, a a double whammy because we have reduced immune capacity in a large portion of the population uh you know monkeypox you know i mean it there there's a reason that it hasn't spread all over the world in the entirety of human civilization there have been a couple of isolated incidents uh you know i know that one time in the midwest uh, there were gambian rats that were uh, um uh imported here from africa to be used as pets uh and then they ended up passing the monkeypox virus onto prairie dogs, and then the prairie dogs ended up spreading it to some people who were living out on the high plains. That was contained uh, those people got over it. Everything was fine. But now, all of a sudden, we are in another election cycle. We have a brand new version of monkeypox. A, like you said, a virus that is extremely stable. Suddenly it's now uh, far more virulent and it's beginning to pop up in like Ibiza <laughs> and like clubbed life uh, in these gay areas. And People are spreading it by having skin-to-skin contact. Uh, and, but it's not going all over the place. But the people who are getting it are also the same people who have been more likely to have been vaccinated which means they have that reduced immune response and their immune system is probably not able to fight it off it's it's strengthened and then they're weaker
5: right you know you're seeing this you know this deficiency in the immune function um all over the place like you know justin bieber uh you know oh it's like some right and both him and his uh what fiance or wife yeah. Um she's got a brain clot, he's got uh facial paralysis, and they're saying, Oh, it's like some like and they like the of course they've got like some name for this like condition, and then you go in and you look at what the disease actually is, and lo and behold, it's shingles. Yes, it's another it's word relief. for shingles, yep. but in the in, in the facial nerve. Yep. And so um, you know, well, why is a healthy, you know, twenty or thirty-something um performer um, getting shingles like you should get that when you're in your 60s or 70s, 80s and, pl- and over. Mm-hmm. And, you know, could this be because of, a, you know, the failing immune system due to a decrease in the CD4, CD8 counts, which is known to happen with those that are um, vaccinated and boosted. And yeah. that's what I think is going on right now. I think I we're agree. going to see a lot more of
4: this. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I totally agree. I totally agree. I mean, it's it's undeniable to me. I think that it's only a matter of time before a lot of people really turn on to it. Uh, Zach, we, we're almost out of time here. I wanted to ask mm-hmm. you about some of the public response to Lemoyne's disclosure. Um, obviously, Google has responded. They said he's a moron and that it's not a sentient AI. Uh, what about some of the people uh, in the public who have traditionally been out there, kind of sounding the alarm on on AI? Uh, Elon Musk, as an example, what has he commented on this? Uh, I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't recall ever hearing him respond about this Lambda AI,
5: but. The The proof in the pudding is the response on Hacker News. Okay, um, what do they say? The, they, they think it's just complete garbage. They don't think that's alive. Like, they, like, like, there's a lot of ethical questions with the sentient AI. This is not one of them. Um, and it looks like this guy just wanted to get his 15 minutes of fame. And congratulations, he got his 15 minutes of fame. It's all over the news. I'm really happy for him that he was able to do this. And it's something that needed to, to happen. Uh, unfortunately, he didn't give us the real disclosure. And we're still waiting for that real disclosure. And I'd like to see what, you know, real AI looks like. I'm bo- both horrified and fascinated in awe about what this thing can do. Uh, it's a double-edged sword. It's going to completely change our society. Um, but And we can use that as a, as a form of good. Or, you know, we can use it to murder 90% of humanity. Yeah, uh, The choice is ours.
4: Okay. All right. Well, Zach, tell everybody where they can find you. And uh, and again, thanks for being here and uh, having this conversation with me today. Yeah. Uh, so if you
5: like my intelligence drops, come find me at twitter.com, uh, Getter, Truth Social, uh, and Gab at the username Perpetual Maniac. Um, if you want to find the best place for news 24-7, check out my new website, video where you're going to find Red Pill 78 along with all of your other favorite content creators. And also, I've got a new job from this video. I got tapped. I can't tell you who it is. I got tapped by a major movie producer that was like, um, take some of these ideas and have my next movie be uncensorable. So you're going to find out what that's going to be very soon and i'm super happy and super stoked about it um but again if you want to see the best place for news 24 7 come to
4: blast.video. all right awesome check it out the link will be in the description below at perpetual maniac as well zach thanks again for being here buddy i appreciate it and i look forward to the next time we speak
5: all right likewise thank you zach we'll see you
4: All right, guys, that's it. So what do you think? Do you think that Google is trying to give us a limited hangout, push us in one direction, when in fact they do have a sentient AI that's just in use someplace else? Zach's uh, description of the AI that he's currently using to program is just incredible. Uh, Before too long, they're going to have AIs that are able to do everything that humans do today. And that's the point for me at which it gets really dangerous. Uh, Computer technology has already diminished our intelligence. We no longer have to think with our brains in the same way that we did before. And that in and of itself is extremely dangerous and it's something that I don't like. You know, I often joke about the idea of the world as we know it coming to an end and uh, us entering into some type of uh, crazy Mad Max dystopian future wasteland. That may be terrible, but if that happens, we're not going to have these computers to take care of everything that they do today and people are going to have to start rationing and using their brains in a way that they haven't in many years. So is it really that bad? I don't know. You be the judge. Tell me down in the comments below. Either way, thank you for being here. As always, this has been Red Pill 78. My name is Zach Payne, the Corruption Detector, and this was another edition of Red Pill News. Good luck, everyone, and God bless.